Welcome to Table Radio Season 2 and our final installment of our summer series on Jesus and Mission. Enjoy! In your ways, you place the stars above. Matthew 28, verses 16 through 20. Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I am with you always, to the very end of the age. We're wrapping up our mini-series on being on mission with Jesus. In the first week, we learned that Jesus comes to us. He makes the first move. And the invitation is open to our discipleship, our apprenticeship of Jesus. And that discipleship, it's not just for the superfan. It's not for the Christian nerd. If you're a Christian, you are a disciple. If you're contemplating the possibility of becoming a Christian, this is central to the content. So pay attention. Becoming an apprentice of Jesus. To be transformed, to become more like him in the school of life. Second week looked at distinguishing between Jesus in the th- on the one hand and things done in the name of Jesus on the other hand. Not always the same thing. Jesus who loves the unloved, touches the untouchable, and makes friends out of enemies. He is still worth following because he is good. And last week, third week, we explored the upside-down, inside-out authority of Jesus. Jesus does not use authority in a top-down way that we might be accustomed to. Instead, Jesus uses authority to put people, to take people who are in bondage out of bondage. Instead of using authority to put people in bondage or limit their freedom, Jesus uses his authority to get people out of bondage, whether it be physical, emotional, mental, or spiritual. And he uses his authority to restore people to make them whole. He uses his authority to restore us to God and to one another. So, back to our text. Make disciples of all nations. As you're going throughout your life, make apprentices of me, says Jesus. Out of anyone and everyone, there's no exceptions, except for those who won't accept the invitation. Because remember, Jesus doesn't force. He doesn't use his authority that way. So how do we make disciples of Jesus? What are we supposed to be making exactly? It can seem nebulous and intimidating. Is this evangelism, the dreaded E word for many of us? And if so, does this mean if I want to be a Christian, I need to get in people's faces and confront them about their life choices, knock on strangers' doors, cold call people for the church, hand out pamphlets downtown? I want to suggest it probably means almost none of those things at least not necessarily, and none of that is present in the text. And with some caveats, almost definitely not implied by the text. Is this leading a Bible study? Some of us might feel more comfortable doing that. Not everyone. But this is too narrow. I think becoming better readers of the Bible is part of what's implied here, but it's just a part of it. Is this mentoring other people? This seems pretty on the nose with a word like discipleship, but a concept like apprenticeship. There needs to be some hands-on training here. But what if we're not good at any of those? 
I think there's good news in this text for all of us, regardless of where we are on the discipleship scale. And it's contained in the content of what Jesus says discipleship is. And he says it right here in what I just read. He doesn't leave it up for us to guess. There's two primary things involved in discipleship. There's two primary things involved in following Jesus as an apprentice of Jesus. And these two things are to baptize and to teach. These are two concrete actions, things we can actually do. We make disciples by first baptizing them and then teaching them. So, it says make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Baptize them in the name. Well, what does that mean exactly? And in many traditions, don't you have to be an ordained minister to baptize people anyway? So doesn't it leave most of us out of this part? Well, yes and no. First, baptize means to immerse. And yes, the rite of baptism is a moment when we immerse people in water. And this is often done by a pastor or a priest. But it's a symbol done in one moment to symbolize something much bigger that affects your whole lifetime. So when we get baptized in water, it is an outward, visible symbol of something deeper and invisible happening in our lives. We ourselves are being immersed into the name of God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. But still, what does that mean? Well, in the ancient world, maiming meant something different than what we often associate it. Naming was more than just a convenient label to distinguish one person from another. Names carried deeper meaning. They said something about the one who was named. Names had to do with blessing and character. So when you're immersed into the name of someone, you're immersed into the blessing and the character of that person. So we are invited to be immersed into the blessing and character of God, the blessing and character of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And one more thing, immersing ourselves into their name means allowing that one's authority that Jesus just talked about to be working itself out in our own lives. It's like we're saying in baptism, you're in charge. You get to call the shots. Submitting, recognizing the authority of that one. And if we recall last week's focus on the inside out and upside down authority of Jesus, he uses his authority in ways we don't expect to restore people, body, mind, and spirit, to get people out of bondage and oppression instead of into it, and to restore people to God and to one another. That's how Jesus uses his authority. And that's the authority that we're immersed into. This is what we're signing up for when we get baptized. It's not just something that happens in a moment. It's also something that happens over a lifetime. So, While the pastor or the priest may oversee the act of baptism, the whole community is to be involved in the lifetime application of baptism. We ourselves are to be working out of our baptisms and encouraging one another to do this also. We are to live out of the liberating, restoring authority of Jesus in our own lives, the authority that restores us to God and to one another, and to speak and to encourage that kind of authority over each other's lives as well. But we can't do this if we ourselves aren't immersed, if we aren't baptized. 
And I'm not just talking about the baptism moment, but also living out of that baptism moment in our everyday lives. This is a sacramental, spiritual kind of response, a remembering who do I belong to, remembering our adoption into the new family of God. One practical way, very practical way to remember this and live out of our baptism is to engage the symbol in everyday life. One easy way to do this is to have a bowl of water in your home. Could be at the house entrance, could be in the corner of a room, it doesn't matter. And then daily dip your finger in and make the sign of the cross on your forehead. It's not magic, it's just a reminder that you live a life immersed in the blessing, the character, and the restoring authority of God. You'll sometimes notice and see the same bowl of water at the entrance to the church, and it serves the same exact purpose, to remind us of who we belong to. So that's the first thing, immersing ourselves in the name of God, the character, blessing, and authority of God. The second part of making disciples, Jesus says right here, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. Essentially, Jesus is saying, teach or share with others everything you know about me. So the main reason the gospel writers put together their gospels was for this purpose. People need to know who Jesus is and what he taught. What was he about? What was his life like? So much of these stories are based on Jesus' own teachings to his disciples. And all of these stories are useful in discipleship. When we read the Bible, we're learning to discern the voice of Jesus in our everyday life. I can attest that learning to see the work of God in our daily lives and to learning to hear the voice of Jesus in our daily lives is a learnable skill. It's not just something people are born with. You learn, you discern it over time. And a big part of that learning is to make it a habit to read or listen to the Bible. You start to get good at hearing the voices in your life that sound like Jesus. This is part of that hands-on training of discipleship Jesus is talking about. Remember, he promised to be with his disciples all the days until the very end. If you want to get good at hearing his voice, since he's with you all the days until the end, get familiar with what Jesus sounded like by reading about him. And secondly, surround yourself with people who are good at hearing Jesus' voice. You might know those people in your life. People who've already done a great deal of this kind of work and learning. They can help you discern. They can help you learn how to recognize the voice. Not kidding, this is a real thing. This is discipleship in its basic and most simple form. Immerse yourself in the blessing, the character, and the restoring authority of Jesus and learn from him everything that he taught about. Now at the table, we have a number of tools and people to help with this process of discipleship. Some really practical tools like Bible reading plans. We have DNA groups of between two to four people. That's DNA stands for discipleship, nurture, and accountability. And those groups help us learn to discern the voice of Jesus in our lives together. We do have midweek groups that explore the Bible to become better readers and hearers of God's word. And we have neighborhood and big tables where we're reminded of the blessing character and the inside-out authority of Jesus in our lives. And finally, we've got something called Kaleo, which is our discipleship training movement. So we've got lots of stuff, lots of opportunities. And the idea isn't to do them all at once, but to do something, to connect in some way um, with these tools. 
To get involved with any or all of these, email us at discipleship at tablechurch.ca, and we'd love to connect you in any of these ways. Just remember that Jesus invites you into this apprenticing relationship. So God, we give you thanks that your desire is to immerse us in your blessing, in your goodness, in your character, and your upside-down, inside-out authority that restores and heals and brings us back to wholeness. God, would you help us to take advantage of this community, of the spaces here, to learn to discern your voice and your work in our lives so we might become better apprentices of you and see our lives transformed and this city transformed for your gospel and your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to Table Radio, an extension of the life of the Table Church, a community in Victoria, B.C. Our mission together is to love God, love each other, and to love and bless our neighbors so that we may see Christ revealed in common life. Music for this episode, provided by the Preparation EP, written and arranged by Coco Relieve, and can be found at thetablechurch.bandcamp.com. To learn more about our community, please go to tablechurch.ca. See you as you are